Hello, friend. I'm Dr. Ron Jones of Something Good Radio, wishing you and your family a blessed Christmas season. Before I share today's message, I want to take a moment to remind you that Something Good is supported 100% by listeners like you. Your financial gifts not only keep this program airing all year round, but they also help us share the good news of Jesus Christ with people worldwide through our digital platforms. And we continue to see people coming to faith in Christ as a result. All of us here at Something Good Radio understand how difficult the past couple of years have been for so many people. Lost jobs, social and political strife, lots of uncertainty, and yes, many have lost their lives. But I'd like to challenge you to prayerfully consider sending a special year-end tax-deductible gift to Something Good Radio this month. Because it is during times of adversity in this life when people begin to seek answers about the next life. Many will be doing that for the first time in the days and weeks ahead. That's why I'm asking for your help, because I want to be there with biblical answers to those questions, both now and in the years ahead. Thank you for listening, and please know how grateful I am for your prayers and financial support. The difference between religion and redemption on this Thursday edition of Something Good Radio. Hello, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by for today's message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus shares the parable of the 10 virgins with his disciples. It's a story about marriage, but more importantly, about the relationship between Jesus and his bride, the church. Ron unpacks this parable today as he shares another of his best messages from earlier this year. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org. From Matthew 25, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Midnight Cry. No fault divorce. You're not only messing with the gospel picture, and the picture of the second coming of Jesus Christ, but you're messing with lives when you pass laws like that, legislators. And now, a generation later, we're messing with the one man and one woman part. Oh, gay marriage, love who you will. It was never God's intention from the beginning. And we're just beginning to understand the cultural mess that this is creating and will create in the generations to come. So much so that now that uh, we've opened the door to that, and I, I predicted this a couple years ago, and it's beginning to happen, now some states, I believe in the Northeast, are passing laws that say, well, you, know, you can pretty much define marriage the way you want. Now they're putting on the laws plural marriages. Uh, you, you can be married to more than one pe person at a time now. Well, of course, logically, just define it any way you want. What a mess this will create. And you watch next. People will want to marry their pet. You laugh. I had a Navy chaplain come up to me after the early service and said, Pastor, I, I can take you to a place where, where that discussion is happening right now. The devil will attack marriage and attack a family, not only because of the mess that it creates in our culture, but because it messes with the gospel message and with this picture 
of the second coming of Jesus Christ, I say, don't mess with marriage. Don't mess with marriage. That's actually not the primary message of this story, though, this wedding parable that Jesus told. The primary message is, are you ready for the midnight cry? Are you ready for this one who will come, yes, like a thief in the night, but this one who also promised to come like a groom for his bride? Readiness is the theme here. Some parables have multiple uh, points and themes. This is a this has a single point to it, a single theme. Are you ready? And readiness is an important uh, theme, you know, throughout the Scriptures, but especially as it relates to the second coming of Christ. Uh, those of you in the military, you understand what military readiness is all about. We live in Virginia Beach. Uh, how many military bases do we have here? And military readiness is all about understanding how mission critical you are as an active duty serviceman or woman. And, and you need to be ready at any time to defend our country and ready at any time to go into war. There's all kinds of you know, implications to military readiness. In the sports world, there's something called the ready position. In any sport, I can talk about it in football, in basketball. I was thinking this morning about tennis. When was the last time you saw a tennis player at Wimbledon who's on the receiving end of, uh, you know, somebody's serve just kind of standing there like this, you know? No, they're, they're down, they've got their racket, they're in their ready position. Well, there are implications to this in the Christian life. We need to be in our ready position. And there are two ways that I can see that I'll just leave you today, two ways in the text to suggest how we get ready for the midnight cry. Number one, stay awake. Stay awake and stay alert. In Matthew 25 and verse 5, it says, Now while the bridegroom was delaying, he was delaying. Remember, from the betrothal period, when they uh, started the relationship, it could be up to a year before he returns for his bride because he's, he's back to his father's house. Nobody knows the day or the hour. It says, now while the bridegroom was delaying, they, that is all the bridesmaids, there were 10 of them here, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. You know, spiritual drowsiness is, well, uh, it's, it's a dangerous place to be. We can get so drowsy spiritually that we don't give a second thought to the second coming of Jesus Christ because we're busy, 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 just living our lives, doing what we're doing, just, just trying to keep our, you know, our head above water, so to speak. And in the process of our busyness and all of that, we, we, we become spiritually drowsy, less alert, less even caring about matters like this. I know pastors, I've mentioned this in weeks past, pastors who will never preach on a text like this because they're listening to the itching ears who are saying, just feed us something that helps me on Monday morning, that helps me you know, raise my kids or work the nine to five, something relevant and practical to my life. I say there's nothing more relevant than being in the ready position for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Live your lives, don't climb up on the top of a hill and just you know, go into passive mode but be in the ready position. Jesus concludes this story by saying in verse 13, be on the alert then, for you do not know the day uh, nor the hour. I'll even toss in Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. Write this one down. 
Paul says, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. He's saying this 2,000 years ago. He's, he's writing to the Romans and saying, get in the ready position here, guys. Jesus is coming. He goes on to say, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Hey, if Paul was saying that 2,000 years ago, how much more so now? Right now, we have a down payment on our salvation. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that. That down payment is in the person of the Holy Spirit. But like an earnest money deposit contract in a real estate, and that's the analogy in Ephesians 1, the Holy Spirit is a down payment. Maybe in a real estate transaction, you put $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 down, and what you're saying to the seller is, I'm good for the rest at closing. Likewise, when... You received the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, and He came came to live inside of you. It was a down payment on a salvation that will be more fully received and delivered to us when He comes and when we see Him face to face. And so, Paul says, for salvation, the whole salvation package that will be delivered to us is nearer to us now than when we first believed. How much nearer is it to us today? And are you living in that state of readiness where the thought of the second coming and the soon return of Jesus is never far from your thinking or from your conversation? And you're praying, even so, come, Lord Jesus. And if you don't come today, help me to be in that ready position to share uh, the blessed hope that I have in my heart with somebody else to help them get ready for His soon return. Stay awake, friends. Stay alert. Don't become drowsy, or the midnight cry may just pass you by. Secondly, and I'm going to draw this from the story itself, and I'll explain what I mean here. Fill your lamp with oil. Remember in the story, Jesus talked about ten bridesmaids, ten virgins. Five of them were wise, and five were foolish. The wise ones not only had their lamp, but they had enough oil. Remember, he'd come at night, perhaps midnight, and they would need to light up their lamps with enough oil to process through the streets for that torchlight parade. Five of them brought enough oil with their lamps. Five of them never gave a second thought about getting ready and prepared in that way. Okay? Now, there's all kinds of uh, discussions in the theological journals and among commentaries as to, as to what this is a picture of. Uh, some say that um, it's a picture of those who seem to have all the external trappings of religion. They have a lamp, but they have no internal reality. They have no oil in there, okay? And that's, that's probably a fair analogy there. Uh, there are some people who say, uh, yeah, I'm religious, I'm spiritual. Uh, my, my, my parents were religious. We went to church. My great-granddaddy was a preacher. None of that counts for you personally. Okay? You, 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 can't, uh, you, you can't borrow that from somebody else, right? Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones. Something new is happening at Something Good. 
Earlier this year, we released a brand new streaming platform for Something Good Radio and Something Good Television, or what we're calling SGTV. There, you'll also find Something Good Travel, Something Good Courses, and the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. Watch, listen, and download for free, and when it's convenient for you. That and a lot more is available now at somethinggoodradio.org. And remember, when you send a special gift today, we'll say thank you with a gift of our own, the complete audio download of Dr. Ron Jones' teaching series, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And now here's Ron with the second half of today's Something Good Radio message, The Midnight Cry. The other way of looking at it too is that oil is oftentimes uh, a picture of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, okay? Uh, kings were often anointed with oil and with that came the presence of God and the anointing of God in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we talk about the anointing. Keep in mind that Jesus Christ, a name followed by a title, that Christ is his title, it means Messiah, or anointed one. So in one sense, he's coming like a thief in the night. Another sense, he's coming like a bride coming for, or rather a groom coming for his bride. Another way of saying it is, he is the anointed one who's coming for his anointed ones. Follow me there? Question is, are you one of the anointed? Uh, Say it another way, are you a believer in Jesus Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone? If you are, you are one of his anointed ones because at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. We call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, by the way. You are among the anointed ones. You have the anointed one. Now, the question of whether or not his oil is flowing through you... (laughs) We call that the filling of the Spirit. That's a whole other question and a whole other sermon. When I say fill your lamp with oil, my question is, are you an anointed one? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, evidenced by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, who according to Romans chapter 8, gives witness to your spirit that you're a child of God? That's part of the role of the Holy Spirit. He comes at the moment of salvation and bears witness to your spirit to where you know that you know that you know that you're a child of God. Is that true of you? To use the language of the parable, is your lamp filled with oil? Are you an anointed one? Because the anointed one is coming for his anointed ones. The other uh, thing that you have to understand, and I alluded to it a moment ago, is you can't borrow someone else's anointing. You can't borrow your daddies or your granddaddies or your great-granddaddies just because they were religious people or preachers. You have to personally possess your anointing and a relationship with Christ yourself. That's why when the five foolish bridesmaids said, oh, we have our lamps, but we don't have enough oil. Let us have some of yours. The wise bridesmaids said, no, that's not the way it works. Go get your own. 
And by the time they got their own and they came back, the torchlight parade had processed through the city. They came to the location of the wedding. They went into that location, and the Bible says the door shut. Sobering picture here. They knocked on the door. They knocked on the door. Let us in. Let us in. And the word comes back. Did you see this? He answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. And the door never opened again for a second opportunity. So is your lamp filled with oil? Do you know Christ as your Savior? The, the most mission-ready position to be in is to know that you know that you know you're a child of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are among the anointed ones because the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, is coming back as a groom coming for his bride. One other picture that I want to I paint here, and then we're done. I said earlier that marriage and the wedding is a, is a picture of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a picture of the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's also a picture of a future event in Bible prophecy only mentioned in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 9, known as the wedding supper of the Lamb. John is writing, you know, the, uh, the great apocalypse, the, the, the revelation and unveiling of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation, and he comes to chapter 19, which gives us, second to Matthew 24, the most detailed uh, description of the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon, and in verse 9, John writes this, and the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. What's that all about? Well, again, back to the culture of the day. The groom would come back at a time nobody knew about. When the father of the groom said, go, get your bride, he'd get his bride. The torchlight parade through the city. They would end up at the location of the wedding itself. They would go in. They'd have the wedding ceremony. The bride and groom would have their wedding night. And then what followed was about a week-long wedding feast where they celebrated. And from this cultural picture comes what is known as the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's how we will celebrate with Jesus through all of eternity. And John says, through the angel, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. How many of you have been invited to a wedding and a reception, whatever the culture might be? What's the proper thing to do when you receive an invitation? You RSVP, right? You fill out that card, or some people do it digitally now. Here's the good news. Every one of us has been invited to this wedding celebration. The question is, have you RSVP'd? By placing your faith in Jesus Christ, and by doing so, you're born again, born into the family of God. You become a child of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You become part of the bride of Christ. And that groom who is waiting to hear from his father, go and get your bride, will come for you and come for me. And when he comes, there will be a time when we enter the celebration 
the door shuts for all of eternity. It shuts to those who didn't RSVP. It shuts to those who were not ready. It shuts to those who were too sleepy to even care about all of this. But it doesn't have to end that way. You can be on the inside. You can be part of the heavenly celebration known as the wedding supper of the Lamb. And that's my prayer for all of us here today. That if there's something so sleepy in our soul that needs to be awakened today, that God would use this text and this story and this message to do just that in all of us, to get us ready, to put us in that ready position. And for some of you, that means making a decision today to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. For others who are already believers in Jesus, you're among the anointed ones. You've placed your faith in Him. How ready are you? Are you living your life every day with that, that longing in your heart for the second coming of Jesus? And if He doesn't come today, are you busy about the Lord's work, helping other people get ready? Family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, anybody God put you in, in touch with. That's the job of the church, the bride of Christ, as we await his return. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, The Midnight Cry. And Ron, you spoke at length today about spiritual readiness. It's the singular theme of the parables of the ten virgins. So as we consider your message today, what are some practical steps we as believers can take to foster or even increase our spiritual readiness? I'm so glad you asked that question, Brian, because it's so easy for us as believers to become complacent. I'm already saved by grace through faith, we might say, so my relationship with God is secure. I am his bride and he is my groom. And if you are, in fact, saved already, then yes, your relationship with God is secure. That's God's promise to us. But let's go back to the wedding language in the parable. I spoke of the betrothal period, a time when the couple was legally married but not yet fully together. That distinguishes betrothal from what today we call engagement, because engagement brings with it no legal binding of the two parties. Betrothal means you are legally married but not yet completely together. In the meantime, during the period between the betrothal and the wedding, which is to say between salvation and the second coming of Christ, the bride, in this case the church, is busy making preparations for the actual wedding when the fullness of the relationship will be realized. She is sending out invitations, something we might very well compare to the Great Commission. Uh, this is our primary purpose as believers in Christ, to invite as many people as we can to the wedding feast. And let me tell you, Brian, when we are consistently talking about Jesus and sharing the gospel with others, well, that increases the intimacy of our relationship with the groom, who is Christ himself. Uh, this whole idea of waiting for the groom to return once and for all, Brian, it's not a passive type of waiting. There are preparations to be made. We should be sharing the gospel. We should be actively pursuing reconciliation with anyone to whom we need to be reconciled. We should be leading our families in the wisdom and instruction of the Lord. This is an active waiting. It is waiting in expectancy of something we know in our hearts will happen as we invite as well as prepare others to take part in this glorious marriage. 
That's Dr. Ron Jones with a few final thoughts from today's message, The Midnight Cry. Ron, as we wrap things up on today's Something Good Radio broadcast, tell us where you're headed next time as you share the final message from your Best of 2021 series and the last message of this year. Brian, as I've mentioned, there are seven deadly sins. And it's not an accident that the first one listed is pride. Every sin is, in fact, rooted in pride. When we steal, for example, we're taking something we want. That's selfishness. But at a deeper level, we're also saying that our needs are more important than the needs of the person from whom we're stealing, and that is pride. So as I get into the first of the deadly sins, I'm hoping not merely to define it, but to help us overcome it. As Andrew Murray once said, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. Be sure to join us next time right here on Something Good Radio. Join us then for Something Good when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Defeating Pride. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.